Ridgely. I have the blessing of serving as an associate in the high school ministry here at First Baptist. If you don't know what that is, don't ask me. I haven't figured it out yet either. I just kind of show up. I'm kidding. It's basically what Ashton does, but for the high school ministry. So very thankful and blessed to have the privilege to get to work under Stephen every day, baby boy Stephen. Most of y'all know him. I can call him that because that's truly who he is at heart. A couple weeks ago, we were in um, Utah on a mission trip with some high school kids, and I saw a whole new side of Stephen that I'd never seen before. He figured out, or I think Levi actually told him that the sandlot was filmed like 20 minutes away from where we were, and Stephen just like went to another level. He like loaded up the van. He's like, we gotta, we gotta use this free time we had in the afternoon. We have to go see all these spots from the sandlot so that he could like take all these pictures. And I kid you not, we got to like Smalls and Benny the Jet's cul-de-sac, and I thought Stephen was gonna start doing cartwheels. It was crazy. I'm just kidding. I can say that because he's not here tonight. But for real though, Stephen, he's one of the most godly men I've met, one of the most awesome people I've met. So I hope you're thankful for him. I promise his heart is so for you and so for this ministry. And I'm thankful to, to get to be working under him and being with him every day. So next time you see Stephen, just tell him how thankful you are for him and his leadership. Okay, so tonight we're going to continue in the series that we've been in all summer on the attributes of God, talking about all the different attributes of God. And tonight we're going to be talking about how God is gracious, how God is gracious. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn them to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, sweet, I forgot y'all do that up here too. Um, when I was in high school, my, well my senior year, I had this moped, some of you may know this, um, but I had this moped and I remember I used to always get on it and we would see how many people we could get on it. So there was times when I had this tiny little moped made for one person, there were times when we had like four or five people on it, like I would be sitting on it. Someone would be behind me. Somebody would be between my legs in the little platform. Someone would be sitting on the rack facing the back. And then maybe like a little kid down the street, someone would be like holding on to him. So we'd have like four or five people. Hunter knows this. He's, he's, a, he's a hawk. We bleed green. Cut our arm off. We'll grow a wing. No, I'm just kidding. He, that was, that was uh, Hunter probably, that was before he looked like Mr. Incredible. So he probably could fit on the moped back then. But we would do that. And it was always a lot of fun. But... It wasn't actually near as fun. Like, I would, I would have fun doing it, but it would always be like, this sucks, because we'd go like 40 miles per hour, and there'd be like five people on it, and we'd be like shaking. But then I would always love it more once everybody got off, and I could just get on it by myself, and then just take off cruising around town. And it's a dumb story, but I tell you that story, because for many years of my life, that was my walk with grace. My approach and understanding of grace was not what it should be, which led me to living a life and chasing all these things that I thought would provide freedom through grace in Jesus, but... I never actually experienced that because I was using and approaching grace, not what it was used for. So Ephesians chapter 2, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 9. says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature... Deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, somebody say great love. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God not by works, so that no one can boast. So, what is God's grace? We're going to spend a little time on what is God's grace before we get to, I think, God's grace itself, understanding what God's grace is, is 
really is a simple thing, but where it becomes difficult is the receiving part. So what is God's grace? It's important that we understand this because I truly do believe that God's grace is the foundation of all right living. Whenever we are able to sit in God's grace, when we understand God's grace, that leads us into living the life and walking in the life of freedom that he has for us. Max Lucado, author, many of you probably know, he states this, grace is God's best idea, his design to ravage a people by love, to rescue passionately, to restore justly. What rivals it? Of all his wondrous works, grace, in my estimation, is the magnum opus. So the grace of God is what allows us to be made right in order to walk with Jesus and have a relationship with him. Grace is defined as undeserved favor. It's getting something that we don't deserve. Something that cannot be earned, but it's freely given. We can count on God's grace because it's the bridge that he built in our relationship with him. Grace is the bridge he built through Jesus that brings us and connects us to God, allows us to be connected to him. It's God's favor toward the unworthy, which is every single one of us. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. So what we deserve for our sin is death. But the gift of God, the grace of God, is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And we know this because this is why Jesus came into the world, because we couldn't do it ourselves, right? If there was a way for us to be able to do it ourselves, that would take away from God's perfection. So it had to be a perfect sacrifice. So we know that grace is what Jesus did. Grace was what God showed us through the gift of Jesus. That's the grace of God, something that we're undeserving of, yet we still have the opportunity to receive it, a gift that we don't receive. And that receiving part is what I really want to get to. That, Like I said, the understanding what grace is itself, it's a gift that I don't deserve. Like I can grasp that. That's a pretty simple meaning, getting something that I don't deserve. But the receiving part is where personally in my life and many people that I've talked to is where grace can get difficult. So grace really is something that's defined pretty simple. Like I said, it's getting something that we don't deserve, but it's a whole lot easier to be able to define grace than to actually understand grace and walk in grace and sit in grace. So why do I struggle to receive it? Why do I struggle to receive grace? I heard one guy not too long ago said that many of us view God like the uncle from home alone, where he's like, look what you did, you little twerp, or whatever he says. You know what I'm talking about? But many of us, that's how we view God, as the uncle from home alone. And for many years of my life, that was me. Because it was like, I sin, I feel this separation from God, which is what sin does. But there was never this feeling of like, God was pulling me back or God wanted me. It was like, no, God's mad at me. I have to fix myself and figure out how I can be better before I can then approach him and say, look, God, now I have it all together. And that's such a bad understanding of grace. And it was forever for me to figure that out. And I think one of the reasons that we struggle to receive it is the fact that it doesn't make sense. Like I said, there's a guy in our church, his name's James Carpenter, many of you probably know him, but he has this tattoo, I always think about this when I talk about this, he has this tattoo on his arm and it says, the beauty of grace is that it doesn't make sense, which is so true, right? Grace, this getting this gift that we don't deserve, it doesn't make sense. Imagine there's a person in your life, somebody who you don't really like, someone who you don't really care for, maybe you don't always give them the time of day, you don't care about them that much, but one day they just walk up to you and they're like, hey, this is for you, and they just give you a $100 bill. Imagine how weird that would be. What are you going to do? Some of us would be like, all right, then take it and walk away. But, no, I'm kidding. But for real, imagine having, like, trying to receive that. It's going to be so weird if this person who you've never treated well, who you've never showed love to, who you've never really cared about, walks up to you and is like, hey, I want to give you this. It's going to be hard to receive, right, because we don't deserve it. It makes no sense for this person who I've never treated with love or care at all to give me $100. makes no sense at all, and that's the same thing with grace. It makes no sense for God in his perfection to let me, a sinner, who has ran from him and done everything under the sun I could possibly do to step down from heaven to become human and to give me an opportunity to be in heaven with him. That makes zero sense, right? That's a part of grace that makes it so hard to receive. And a lot of times, 
I think we don't receive it because we feel so undeserving of it. And I don't, I don't deserve grace. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. It's hard to receive the favor of God that he freely gives to us if we believe in him because it's free. We don't feel like we deserve it, therefore it's hard for us to receive it. Like I said, you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the things that I've said to people or the thoughts that I've had, the things I've done. It makes no sense for me to be able to receive that grace. How can it be sufficient for me? Or maybe I feel like a fraud. No, that was one of the big ones for me. There's people who know who I was before I was walking with Jesus. So it feels, makes me feel like a fraud to now say that I am walking with Jesus and that I'm living this life because it makes no sense for me to want be doing this, but now I can be forgiven, washed clean, free of those things. I feel like a fraud because it doesn't make sense. And to those people, if you feel like a fraud or to those people you feel like would call you a fraud, I would say amen. Yes, I am a fraud. That's why Jesus came to the earth because I couldn't do it on my own. I couldn't earn it on my own. I'm a fraud because every Christian who has ever walked the face of the earth at some point has done something hypocritical. But that's why Jesus came to the earth, because we couldn't earn it on our own, because we couldn't do it on our own. So I feel like a fraud. Yes, I am. But that's why it's not no longer a sinner saved by grace, but it's a saint who's been made right by the blood of Jesus. And for many years, like I said, that of my life, that was me. I don't know where I got it from, but for most of my life, I had this kind of warped view of grace and what it was and what it meant for me. And it kept me so many years from living in the life of freedom that Jesus came to die for. And it wasn't until I really got into it for myself and began to have this correct understanding of grace that I was actually kind of a little bit able to slowly by slowly, little by little, step into the life of freedom that Jesus came for. And it's something that has to be worked out every day, for sure. It's not like an aha moment. There are definitely those times when it changed, but it's not like this aha moment where it's like, oh, I get it now. I'm free. I'm walking in grace. I feel, I'll never feel any shame again. I'll never feel any doubt again. I'll never feel any guilt again. It's something that I have to work at every day. Why? Because there's an enemy who the Bible says is seeking, prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking to kill, steal, and destroy all the things we get. And for me, something that I've had to learn in that is recognizing that it is the enemy. When those thoughts come of I don't deserve it, I don't feel it, it's easy to be like, oh yeah, my mind's telling me these things. I know God's word says this. I know God says this. But my mind's telling me all these other things. But recognizing that is the enemy, I promise, changes the game. Because the enemy really does not want you to recognize that it's him. Because the more you, the less you recognize that it's the enemy, the easier it is for him to just kind of slip those lies in and then back up, slip another lie in. You start getting a little more free. You're walking in freedom. He can slip another lie in. But as soon as you realize that it is an actual enemy who is seeking to te- tell you those lies, who's seeking to steal and kill and destroy, that's when he panics. That's when the grace of God is actually able to step in when I realize that I'm not just fighting the lies in my mind, but these are things that the enemy is telling us. And I promise you that the enemy is scared to death of you stepping into the life of freedom that Jesus has for you. Why? Because he knows the impact on the kingdom that you can have if you truly step into the freedom of grace and the life that Jesus has for you. The enemy scared to death of it. And that's kind of what leads us into this part three where we'll see God for who he really is. If I struggle to understand it, that I don't have to be ashamed or feel guilty about my past, I feel like I'm not able to truly walk in that freedom because how are my sins actually just washed away and forgiven? I know everything I've done. How does that make any sense for them to just be washed away and forgiven? If I struggle with that, What do I do? First off, I want you to hear me say this. There is no better candidate in the world for God's grace than somebody who has messed up. Perfect people don't feel like they have a need for grace. Why? Because they don't think they need it. They're perfect. There is no better candidate. If you're someone who's like, I've messed up, there is no better candidate in the world for God's grace than you. It's the reason God invented grace was because people would mess up. That's the reason Jesus came to earth was because we messed up. So, 
If that's that feeling that you have is I don't deserve it, there is no better candidate for God's grace than someone who's messed up. Why? Because messing up helps me to better understand the grace of God. If I had never messed up, if I had never screwed up, I wouldn't have an actual understanding of how good the grace of God is. But because I've messed up, and because I can now walk in the freedom that Jesus came for, I understand what the grace of God is. That's who the grace of God is for, is for people who have messed up. Before we get into kind of the understanding and receiving of it, I want to talk for a second. Anyone, myself included, kind of feel ourselves at times slip back into this, like I, like I said earlier, I'm walking free, I'm walking free, and then boom, out of nowhere, here comes this thought in my head, like, yeah, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. What do I do? Because I think first, we have to know, before we get into receiving it, we have to know that we really are able to receive it. Before I know how to receive it, I have to know that I actually am a candidate of someone who can receive God's grace. Because I'm not worthy. It, it, out of all the people in this world, like it feels like I'm not worthy. Everything that I've done, I know what I've done, I know where I've been. It feels like there's no way out of all the people in this world. I know that the Bible says that Jesus died for anyone who would believe. Anyone who believed. But how do I know for sure that I'm in that anyone? Because I know what I've done. How do I know for sure that God's grace will actually cover me based off of what I've done? This is something that I heard that changed my life. And this quote will be on the screen. I want to share it with you because it helped kind of shape my idea of being accepted by God. When I heard this, it changed my life. It says, you become worthy of grace. You become a fitting recipient of grace when you see your need for grace and embrace God, the gracious one, as your highest ranking possession. Therefore, tied into your worthiness is this real sense, this real feeling of unworthiness because I know that I'm unworthy because of what I've done. A fitting recipient of this immeasurably gracious God knows it needs grace and views God as his highest ranking possession. Sounds weird to say, but I want to look real quick at some scripture to confirm this because it sounds weird to say like, oh yeah, I can be worthy of the grace of God. Doesn't sound right to say. Some of us are kind of like, eh, I don't know. But I want to look at some scripture. So if you have your Bible, turn over to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, Jesus tells a parable about a wedding feast. So go ahead and flip over there. And this is scripture that I want to look at to kind of confirm this idea of wanting it means you're worthy. So Matthew chapter 22, it says, Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet and said, tell them to come. So come freely. You don't earn this. Just come in. Be a part. You don't have to bring anything. You don't have to do anything to earn this. Just come in. Be a part of this party that I'm throwing for my son. Enjoy all the fullness of my son's wedding. But then, into verse 2, what did it say? Or, sorry, into verse 3, they refused to come. But they refused to come. Why didn't they come? Verse 5, sorry, we're kind of skipping all over the place to save time. But verse 5, why didn't they come? They paid no attention and went off, one to his field and another to his business. And then further down in verse 9, this is the king. He says, so go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you can find. He says anyone, he means anyone. Anyone who is hurting, who is broken, who is in sin, who is lost, who is alone. Anybody who will not think that they have something to do that is better than coming to this feast. Tell anyone who won't think that they have a better thing to do than coming to this feast. But look back what he says before that in verse 8. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. In other words, other translations would say, We're not worthy to come. So what does this mean? It means that they preferred the other things they had, the, far the farms or the businesses or whatever. They preferred the other things they had over this banquet. 
They preferred the other things they had over the infinite benefit of a banquet with the Son of God. And that's what's sad is there's people by the millions like this, and for many years of my life, that was me. So what does it mean to be worthy of the banquet? To be worthy of getting to receive God's grace and to be part of the kingdom of heaven? It means to want the banquet, to want the kingdom. That's what it means to be worthy. To see the banquet as way better to see life with Jesus as way better than any farm or business or any other thing that we can experience in life. It's exactly what Jesus said. When Jesus said, if you love your father more than me, you're not worthy of me, him saying, if this, then this implies that there is a way to be worthy of him. If this, then you're not worthy of me, that implies to us that there is a way to be worthy of him. And what is it? It's what Jesus is saying right here. To be worthy of him is to want him, to want the banquet. Those who were invited but didn't accept the free gift are the ones that Jesus calls unworthy in this parable. To be worthy means to accept it and to want it and to receive it. And growing up, especially kind of in the small town, little church environment that I grew up in, to think of being worthy of something is like absolutely not. And it's still weird to think about and weird to feel, but it's exactly what Jesus is saying right now. What does it mean to be worthy of it? It means to want it. He says those I invited that did not come, they weren't worthy but the ones who came, they're worthy. So how do, you, how do you know you're worthy of the grace of God? You want the grace of God. If you want it, you're worthy. I'm worthy because my worth is found in realizing my unworthiness. I'm worthy because my worth is found in realizing my unworthiness and to see it and to want it and to pursue it and desire it as a broken sinner who loves grace so much is to be worthy of it. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. So do you want it? My question to you is, do you want it? Do you, if you want the grace of God, then you're worthy of it. It's exactly what Jesus is saying. It sounds crazy. That's why if you believe it, like I said, you're not a sinner saved by grace. You're a saint who has been washed clean and made right. So that's how you know if you are a candidate for God's grace, all you have to do to be a candidate for God's grace is to want it. So then it's there for you. The grace of God is there for you if you want it. How do I receive it? I want to. Okay, I understand now that I want it so I can be a candidate of it, but how do I actually receive it? Because that's the hard part, because still, I can get into those thoughts from the enemy of like, I don't deserve this. I know where I've been. I know what I've done. All these other things that can come into our heads. I understand now that I can, I'm a candidate of it because I want it, but how do I actually receive it? I think the number one way to learn to receive God's grace, it's going to sound simple, but the number one way to learn to receive God's grace, spend time with God and spend time in his word. And it sounds like the most basic church answer. All growing up, that's all I heard. You want to know God? Spend time in his word. You want to know God? Spend time talking to him. To the point where I got so annoyed by it that I'm like, dude, if one, pers- one more person, if I ask this question again, and one more person tells me, read your Bible or pray, I'm going to punch him in the throat. I don't know what I was going to do. But I was like so mad. I was like, dude, stop telling me that. Like, give me something that's actually going to work. But I promise you that it wasn't until I got into it for myself and realized that getting in the word of God and sitting in the presence of God and listening to what God has to say to you through his Holy Spirit, it wasn't until I did that that I realized these lies that the enemy is telling me can actually be replaced with the truth of God's word and the truth of who God says I am. It wasn't until I did it for myself. So it sounds simple, but it's so profound in the world we live in. Spending time with God, spending time in his word, that's the number one way to understand him and know him better. The reason I say that is because I've tried all the other things. I've tried every other way to understand grace other than understanding it from God himself who created it. 
I looked at books. I talked to every wise person I knew. And they flooded me with so much truth. Don't get me wrong. They flooded me with tons of truth, tons of things that I was able to implement and still am able to implement in my life. It's always good to have mentors and older people who are giving us this wisdom. Don't get me wrong. Like, they gave me those things, and it was good. I'll never forget it. But there was this one guy in particular, and I'm not knocking this guy because I love this guy to death, and he changed my life. God used him to change my life in many ways. But I remember when I was kind of talking to him about this, because for many years I didn't realize that the, the issue that I was having was me not being able to receive grace. I was just like, why don't I feel close to God? Why do I not feel like God loves me like I didn't realize? And then finally, as I'm sitting here kind of pouring all this out to him and talking to him about it and telling him about it, he just goes, dude, you have to learn what God's grace means for you. He's like, you have to grab onto that and like put that in your life and never forget it and be able to walk in that daily because that, like, he's like, that's, that's the problem. You're not understanding God's grace. Like, you have to figure out what that means for you. And I'm like, okay, how? Like, I don't, what, what do I do? And he goes, you like tattoos? Maybe you should go get one on your wrist that says grace. I was like, okay. So you know what I did? I was cheap and impatient. And about two days later, I went to a living room. And I got a tattoo right here on my wrist that says grace. Freehanded that bad boy. No stencil. But then, that still didn't work. So you all know what I did a couple days, not a couple days, probably a couple weeks later. That still didn't work. I was looking at it every day, but I still didn't have this grasp of what grace does. So a few weeks later, Went back to the same living room. Then I got saved by grace right here, thinking maybe that'll help. Maybe that'll help. Maybe then I'll understand grace. Still in the same living room, no stencil again, free hand of that bad boy too. Now, do they look great? No. But do they help me understand God's grace better? No. <laughs> Why? Because I was trying to get this understanding of grace from something other than the source of the grace itself. You know what I'm saying? I was looking to something, uh, trying to understand something other than from the source of who created itself. I know it's a dumb story, and it's funny to look back on now. And I, I mean, do they look great? No, but they have opened a lot of doors to so like people ask me about them, and then I'm able to have cool conversations about grace and what it means to me and what it means. And it, and it does open the door for a lot of cool conversations, so I don't like fully regret it. Maybe I should not have got them in a living room, but I'm thankful for them now, even though it's a dumb story. But that would be like me, me not going to the source, trying to get it from somewhere else would be like me going to, I don't know, Stephen, if he was here, and asking him, hey, can you teach me how to make one of Ashton's pizzas? Anybody in here had Ashton's pizza before? Dang, not very many of y'all. Y'all need to wake up earlier, I don't know, something. Or, hey, never mind, there it is. There's the answer. Thank you, Holy Spirit. If you haven't had Ashton's pizza, maybe you should go to the source who is Ashton, and he can make you the pizza. Okay, never mind, don't. But that's the point I'm making, is that it would make no sense for me to go to Stephen and ask him how to make Ashton's pizza when I have access to the source of the pizza, Ashton. Just like the moment I put my trust in Jesus and I received the Holy Spirit, I've had access to God who created grace and who can give me a better understanding of grace than anyone else ever could. If I have access to the source of it, why would I not go there? For many years of my life, that's what I was doing. I was looking everywhere else except for the source, the only one who's actually going to provide a true, real, lasting understanding of what it was. And it wasn't until I got with God myself, it wasn't until I went to the source myself that I actually began to understand what grace meant, and I actually began to be changed by grace, and I actually began to be able to walk in the freedom that Jesus died for. It wasn't until I got with the source. If you know me, then you know 
this right here, being up in front of you, is one of the most uncomfortable places in the world for me. What I've realized is that our inadequacies, our inadequacies as human beings, are what qualifies us for God's grace. Like I said earlier, if you've messed up, God's grace is for you. My inadequacy as a human being, the fact that I can't do this on my own, is what qualifies me to sit in the grace of God and to be changed by him speaking to me and him speaking through me and him telling me the things he wants to tell me. My inadequacies, the, the fact that I can't do it on my own is what qualifies me for God's grace. And that, that feeling of, of sitting in his presence and being able to let go of what can I do to earn this, what can I do to be in right standing before God, being able to let go of that absolutely will change your life. And for me, it's been a battle, and it's something that I've had to call on God for daily because I'm not perfect and I don't have it all figured out. I mean, like I said, this is an everyday thing because there's an enemy. To make it personal, like not a few weeks ago, Stephen was up here talking about the, the goodness of God. I was sitting right over there, and Ashton, a couple days before me, had asked me if I would want to speak one of these weeks on the attributes of God, and I hadn't given an answer yet. I was kind of praying about it, thinking about it, and I'm sitting over there, and as I'm sitting there, Stephen's talking, and I'm looking up at him, and I'm like, there's no way. Like, there's no way that I can get up there and do that. Speaking to middle school, speaking to high school, that's one thing, but there, there will be people in this room who were, knew me and who walked with me and were close with me before I actually started walking with the Lord. They know what I've done. So how can I be one to stand up in front of them and talk about something when they know what I've done? And as I'm sitting there thinking that, right over there, clear as day, the still small voice is like, do you remember what my grace means for you? Do you remember what my grace means for you? It's a walk. And it was almost like this, me, I'm like, Ridge, do you still not get it? Do you still not get what the grace of God means for you? It's the only reason that I'm able to do this. I almost broke out in him, like, I surrender. I'm just kidding. But as I'm sitting there in that moment, I'm like, holy crap. But it, that's really what it does. It leads you to this posture of wanting to worship. It leads you to this posture of surrender and say, okay, God, if you can speak to me in that way, if you can show me that your grace is sufficient for me, then I want more of you. I want to live for you. I want to walk with you. I want to know you. I want to know your word. I want to love you. I want to love people. That's what understanding the grace of God does for us. It leads us into that posture of, yes, I want to surrender. I want to worship. I want to know you. And it's okay that people know your past. Because when I realize that I can't stand up here on my own, when I realize that I can't stand up here on my own and do this, it puts me in that posture of like, okay, God, this is what you do. The Bible says that his power is made perfect in my weakness. When I realize that, it's like, okay, God, your power is made perfect in my weakness. This right here is the weakest place for me. So that's where I'm going to feel his presence the most. That's where I'm going to feel his spirit the most. That's what his grace is, is that it steps in and it fights for me when I don't deserve it. Because I don't deserve it. But I can be worthy of it. Why? Because I want it. I want God's grace. That's what makes me worthy of it. The fact that I'm alive today is evidence of the grace of God. My whole life is getting what I don't deserve and not getting what I do deserve. What do I deserve? Death. What do I have? Life. And what I can say to you is that if you are not dead, then God is not done with you. If you are not dead, then the, that's evidence of the grace of God on your life because it's what we as sinful human beings deserve as death. So if you are not dead, then the grace of God is on your life. I have no doubt about that. Like I said, it's okay that people know your past because when I'm able to let go of this effort of what can I do to be in right standing before you, God, it's not God, it's not I have to, to get right and to get it all together, then I can come to God and be like, okay, look, God, now I have it figured out, now I'm gonna sit in your grace. No, God is saying, come to me right now as you are 
and I will show you what my grace is. I will teach you who I am. It's exactly what he's saying. And all of these things are things that help me to understand what the grace of God means for humanity and thank God that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Thank God that he sent his son to die. Thank God that he washed my sins away and made me clean so that I could sit in his grace and do anything that I get to do because my God is grace, my God is love, and my God is mercy. That's who he is. And I remember kind of in the middle of all my doubts about all this stuff of like, I don't know if I can really be worthy of this. Like, this makes no sense. God, why are you leading me to do these things? Like, I know what I've done. People around me know what I've done. How can I be called worthy for this? In the middle of that brokenness, of that like, God, I want to please you so bad. I'm just in this quiet moment. And again, that still small voice, clear as day, something I'll never forget, it changed my life. He said, if you want to please me, and start living the life of freedom that Jesus died for. If I want to please God, I have to start living the life of freedom that Jesus died for because he didn't send Jesus to die so that I could then still walk in my guilt and my shame and all these things in my past. He sent Jesus to die so that I could be free. So do I want to please God? How do I please God? He said, walk in the freedom that Jesus died for. That is pleasing to me because that is what I created you for and that's what I sent Jesus for. So that you could walk in freedom. And I pray this helps someone because it's difficult to walk with Jesus. So hard to walk with Jesus if we don't under, get, have a proper understanding of what the grace of God means for us. Can't tell you how many years of my life I was trying to walk with Jesus. But I had no real understanding, no real grasp of what the grace of God meant for me. So it was so hard for me to have a true, actual, real relationship and walk with Jesus because I had no understanding of what grace meant. And if that's you tonight, if that's where you're at, you're at this place of feeling so undeserving feeling worthy, hear me say this, Jesus died so that you do not have to feel that anymore. Jesus died so that you never have to feel that again. If you feel that, that feeling of being worthy, but you, you don't want to feel that, you want to experience the grace of God, you want to love God and to know God and to walk with God and have this relationship with God, if you want that, you are who Jesus called worthy in Matthew chapter 22. If you want it, you are worthy. It's exactly what Jesus said in Matthew 22, and it's there for you. If you put your trust in Jesus, you are free. And believing that, spending time with him, spending time in his word, is the only thing that's going to be able to replace those lies that I believe about myself and I believe about my past. Spending time with him in his word is the only thing that's going to be able to replace that and to help me walk in the freedom and the life that Jesus came for. But you've got to get it from the source. You have to get it from the source. If you're looking, there's, I mean, like I said, a thousand books, people, wise people, and please don't hear me say that, like never forsake a wiser, older person in your life. They have so many good things for you. But they can only give you so much of an understanding. You have to get what you're learning about Jesus straight from the source. You have to get what, you, to learn, what you're learning about God to be intimate with God, to know God. You have to get that clarity, that peace from the source. Because he is who provides a real understanding of grace. The facts about grace, the facts about God, are not what provide the freedom. I can know all the facts about God. Someone can go to seminary, someone can be a doctorate in this stuff. They can know all the facts, but they may never be free. Why? Because the facts about him don't provide freedom. He, the source, is the one who provides the freedom. So if that's you and you're feeling that, that undeserving, you don't know where I've been, you don't know what I've done, all these different things that our mind can be flooded with. If that's you, then hear me say this. If you want it, 
And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22 that you're worthy of it. So sit in that. Rest in that. And if you're new to this, if you walked in the door not knowing much about this, not knowing much about grace or about Jesus or who he was, but that freedom sounds like something you want, then Jesus is what you're looking for. If that freedom sounds like something you want, then Jesus is what you're looking for. So I would encourage you, please, please, please talk to somebody. There are people all over this room who would love to talk to you, who would love to share with you about how you can step into that life of freedom, of walking with Jesus, of knowing Jesus, of being with Jesus. So no matter what side of that you're on, whether it's a struggle for you to receive grace or you just want a relationship with Jesus, you want the freedom, please talk to somebody. Like I said, there's people all over this room who would love to talk to you. So no matter what side of that you're on, if anything, anything at all, I'm struggling to receive it. I don't know how I can believe it's actually for me. Please talk to somebody. Or I want to learn what that means for the first time. I want that freedom. Please talk to somebody. Anything you may be feeling going through, that's, that's why we're here. The invitation to know Jesus is always open. There's no better time to put your trust in Jesus than the present moment you're in. So please know that the invitation is always open. There are people all over this room who would love to talk to you. So I want to encourage you as we close that if you want it, you are worthy. If you want the grace of God, you are worthy. So please come talk to somebody. Open up about that because I promise there is a freedom, a life of freedom like no other that's waiting just on the other side of putting your trust in Jesus. If you want it, you are worthy. Let's pray.